Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the dean and founder of DirectionsUniversity.com, the co-founder of Divisio, D-U-V-I-S-I-O, the all-new affiliate network for people doing good, and the co-founder of TheLeverages.com. We have got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. We have my associate dean at DU and co-founder and everything else, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack. Hi. Today we're happy to have Dr. Tamara Monasoff on Leverage Masters. She is passionate about helping authors and entrepreneurs achieve their goals. She's an award-winning inventor, social entrepreneur, best-selling author, educator, speaker, and founder of TamaraMonasoff.com and the creator of the Author to Income Formula, a revolutionary step-by-step system that shows authors how to make a hefty income from their books. She served in the Clinton administration for three years at both the White House and the U.S. Department of Education. That's pretty freaking awesome. I think that's a first for Leverage Masters for sure. Tomorrow, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you. Finally, right? (laughs) Technology (laughs) will not hold us down. (laughs) Well, I'll start you off the way we start everybody every week, and that is, what is it right now? I know what got you out of bed probably in the morning when you worked in the Clinton administration. That's pretty awesome, and I want to talk about that. But today, what is it that gets you out of bed excited to greet the day every day? It's funny that you bring that up because I had such a phenomenal experience working in the White House that I was worried that after I I finished working there, that I would not find something as satisfying. And I'm Hmm. happy to say that I have, (laughs) and that I absolutely am passionate. Yeah, I'm passionate about what I do. What gets me out of bed is really giving everything that I can to help support authors, experts, entrepreneurs who are really wanting to get their message out to the world, and I love sharing my knowledge and what I learned the hard way, actually, along the way uh, so that they can succeed even faster. Yeah, awesome. Well, that is pretty, that's a pretty big deal, right, when you have a peak experience in life, um, as as everybody has, I mean, whatever your best experience was to date, that was your peak, peak experience. And to to worry about following that with something, um, you know, you didn't sound like you were close to retirement age when that was uh, when when you were done there. So yeah, I mean, what a <laughs> what a thing to discover that there is life after peak experiences, right? It's true, and I think that's. Part of um, the beauty of entrepreneurship is that you can create it. And so that's where I came to realize that it's in that allowing yourself to follow your passion and allowing yourself that type, type of creativity and really listening to what people's needs are. 
So what happened for me, the reason why I created the author to income formula is because I'm an author and there were, when I first started, I really was surprised that when I put my books out there that nothing happened. Uh, and I was like, wait a second, I put my whole heart into this book. I've given so much uh, of my time and effort and all of my resources I could possibly give people. You know, what do I need to do differently? Why is it that I'm having a hard time getting that message out? And what I learned is that I wasn't the only one that authors, you know, we put so much time into it, and then oftentimes what we hear in return is silence when we, when we put our books out, we launch our books. And so that's what I wanted to learn is how do you successfully market your books and the missing piece that most people don't talk about is how do you generate multiple streams of revenue around your book, so using that book as a tool to leverage uh, these other opportunities. Yeah, we uh, we really love the the book thing and the, the kind of like in I don't know when it started. For me, it's been in the last ten years that I've heard people more and more talk about what a book really is, what a book is really for, and uh, and it's not what a lot of people who haven't thought a lot about it think it is. I mean, you write a book like Stephen King or J.K. Rowling, and you become a bazillionaire. And because you wrote the book, and in a way that that's true, but it's not in a way that people think. Like, can you explain a little bit more about what a book is really for these days, and how, like you said, you leverage it, and it's not the book itself, but it kind of is the book because that's what got you on the map. Can you be a lot more eloquent than I just was? <laughs> well, you know, I think you're explaining it really well, and that is that a book is really a tool. Like, I come from a product development group business. So for the last 12 years, I, after the Clinton administration, I invented a product and I started manufacturing products and selling them nationwide in grocery stores, on home shopping networks. And when I started writing books, it was really to share information with other entrepreneurs, basically lessons that I learned along the way uh, to help people. And so what I learned is that your books are really – a tool or a product to attract people, your readers, to join you in other ways. So I use my books as not only to give great information, because they're how-to books, so I make sure that I'm giving the reader everything I can give, but I'm also turning it into an invitation. So that invitation is... And the invitation is not just at the back of the book. I put the invitation in the front of the book after the title page, and then I invite people throughout the book to join me in all different ways, whether it's through a webinar, whether it's downloading a free uh, course or video or template or, or, or checklist or something, to useful tools, but they, I always tie them to invitations to come join me on my website, to get to know me, to take my classes, to, to be involved so that we can create a community, and I do everything I can to continue to learn and share that knowledge and lift people up so that they can succeed in getting their message out to the world. So there's a little bit of a cynic in me, and uh, maybe it's not cynical. I don't know. Maybe you can straighten me out on this. I have seen books do wonders for people in – opening doors and making introductions, um, it's obvious on talk shows and things when people haven't read the book they're interviewing you about. 
<laughs> and uh, but the but that book got them on that stage. Nonetheless, it it, uh, it was the collective outcry of um, support and love that you got from your fans plus the book that often gets you on those stages. Isn't it kind of weird? Is it cynical to look at it that way that you could actually get people to open doors for you, open their doors for you, even if they haven't read your book just because you have a book? It's funny. You made me smile. You can't see me, but I smiled when you brought up this question because (laughs) I've been on so many different TV shows. I've been on Today's Show, Good Morning America, CNN. The list goes on and on. And it's rare that anyone has actually read one word of my book. <laughs> yeah. But the thing, yeah, but this is the beauty of it. In my class, I teach this, and this is that you actually supply the producer and the host with questions for your book so that you can stay on track, and then you really have an opportunity to get your message out. So I always see going on TV is, look, these people are busy. They're doing they're interviewing people all day long in two-minute segments. You can imagine. There's no way they can read your book or, you know, or really know that much about you. But what I see is going on television and this door opening from having a book is that it's a gift. I am grateful every single time it happens, and I think, wow, what a gift. Because you're sitting on that stage on a show, and even local shows are great in terms of getting your message out. So you're on that stage, and so it's really your opportunity to share with readers, you know, three key points about what the book's about and why it would be a benefit for them, right? And having that conversation with a host, the host facilitates that opportunity for you. And so, yes, it is absolutely true that those doors open, and it truly is a gift for you to get your message out in a bigger way. Case in point, I have not read your book. <laughs> For full disclosure, I, I want to now, though. It is on my reading list now. But that's the thing is that it, there's so much going on, and this isn't a two-minute segment, um, and I'm not Matt Lauer. He's a lot busier than me. I don't ever want to be that busy, actually. <laughs> so, uh, But still, there's a, there's a lot going on, and almost everybody we interview has a book. And I started thinking about what if, what if, what if I read all of those books and then all the other books that are on my reading list of people who aren't going to be guests or haven't been guests yet, um, then my business would suffer <laughs> kind of greatly because I, uh, I don't speed read very well. So, uh, but, but it really is kind of cool because through that, through this fulcrum, through the leverage of getting on other people's stages, and, and you know, Leverage Masters is not – CNN or anything, but it is a stage with a carefully cultivated audience, uh, very well cared for and tended to, uh, by bringing them on really cool guests like you all the time, that, that you're able to open those doors and go out there. Is there any time in your career uh, after the administration when you started, um, well, especially when you started writing and everything, uh, that you felt like it was all up to you, that you were just in the trenches and trying to get new fans one at a time, or were you always a leveragist and you, you knew you had to get on the biggest stages you possibly could to make this thing go a lot faster and a lot bigger, a lot quicker? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I actually never thought to be center stage. And there are different types, you know, extra, more extroverted, more introverted. And truthfully, I am 
I won't say I'm totally introverted, but I'm definitely a quieter person. And, you know, I'm writing, right? I'm behind the scenes. I'm setting up programs. I'm doing all these things. And I never really thought to be out on center stage. However, I quickly learned that that in itself was a an incredible way to grow your your business and to really get in front of more people, right? Because if you go on to a giver stage, you're going to be introduced to more people than you possibly could be could meet if you were just sitting in your home office. So mm-hmm. I quickly learned that that was a, a really an avenue that should be pursued if you really want to get out there and reach and touch more people. I'll tell you something that I learned when I worked, when I worked in the Clinton administration. So I was a presidential appointee, and so we had a staff meeting, and President Clinton in one of the meetings said, I want you, not me personally, but everyone in the room, the staff, I want you to think about creative ways to reach and through your program to reach as many people as possible because the Americans are paying tax their their taxes and they deserve to be served. So I want you to have that framework as how you expand your programs and not expand the amount of money we're spending, just expand the programs to reach more people and serve more people. Totally in the vein of service. And when I left there, that just struck me in that moment, and I thought, okay, after I left the administration, that's really been my mindset ever since. So with that, in being in a place of service, and how do you reach even more people, the media is part of that, in stepping into those opportunities, even when you're more introverted or shy, uh, that you kind of have to get over yourself and realize it's not about you. It's about serving and being of service to others. So that's really my my framework in my business. When you lead with that, what I mean, you've 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 met lots and lots of people. You've been on stages, you've you've shaken lots of hands, you've met people from probably all walks of life for sure. Uh and so you know that a lot of people out there seem to be leading with something other than service. And, and and before you were inspired, maybe you remember a time in your own history where you did the same thing. You know, we're not taught in college, really. Uh, maybe today, <laughs> I can't say what's being taught today in college, but that we, you know, we go out, we get a job, we start a business, we do whatever we do, and it is because of that business, it is because of our livelihood that we lead with whatever we think other people are going to want to buy into that we're selling, whether it's even a nonprofit, whatever it is we're selling. You know the difference between leading with service first and leading with something else. Can you describe the difference uh, in your words, what that means to you? Well, what's interesting to me is that when you lead with a mindset of service, then the money comes. (laughs) You see, because like when I do my free webinars, I don't hold back. I give as much as I can give. And I've had people not ever buy from me and just come to me and say, wow, I am so excited. I'm going home right now, and I'm going to start putting into practice what you taught. And that's being a service, right, because that person was touched, and now they're doing something positive and proactive to help themselves and hopefully help others. So 
it's like for me, it's a ripple effect, meaning if I serve others and give as much as I can give every single day, then hopefully that will have a ripple effect and other people will then serve others and, and serve others, you see. And for me, what happens is I believe in that generosity and in being that place, in that place of service ties into people then wanting to learn more from you, wanting to take your classes, wanting to work with you. And I have that happen to me all the time. So after I, I teach the class, then people want to be in mentoring. And then after the group mentoring, they want one-on-one. And so it goes like that. And so these opportunities continue to come back to me without me having to fight for every single dollar because I think it's because of being in a place of service and generosity. I truly believe that. Well, I mean, who can argue with your uh, track record, right? And that's why I love to bring this discussion up as much as possible with everyone possible because I don't know that everybody who listens to the show who may listen to it later on really truly believes that you're talking about them and not just you. That a lot of times I feel like people make excuses. I feel like this because I used to do it all the time myself. That that's just that's just her or that's just him or that's just this you know, they're successful, they have something I don't. And I feel like one of the biggest values that, that this show can bring um, to the world is to bring people like you around so you can be a constant, constant reminder of yet another person who has said what you just said until people believe it, until they believe in themselves enough to know that you're not just talking about you, you're talking about them. Well, and I think it's Jack, I mean, would, it be okay if I jumped in? would it be okay if I jumped in for a minute? Absolutely. Sure. Yes. So one of the things I wanted to point out is in what you just described, what you're talking about is serving while strategically monetizing. If you go out with the attitude of a typical social worker and just serve, but you don't have things in place that allow you to monetize that serving, it's really not going to have the money follow, is it, Camera? I think that's absolutely right, Tina, that I have my programs and services in place. Because I'll tell you, it doesn't work the other way, and I'm so glad you brought that up. Because for years, I didn't even have a way for people to opt in on my website. So I lost probably thousands of people. I would go on, you know, the Today Show, and then there was no way for oh. me to capture their their opt-in. I mean, that was like one of those big mistakes. So that's like the first thing I teach people is like, you can't do. I don't want the very first thing I want you to do is get an opt-in on your homepage. You know, and it's because it was a hard lesson learned, right? <clears throat> and I didn't have that. I didn't know that. But you don't know what you don't know. And also. I didn't, in the past, have my programs in place. So absolutely. So now, strategically, of course, I do have all my programs and classes and online classes and live classes and coaching, and it's all set up so that when people say, take a free class of mine or webinar of mine, they'll say, yeah, I love that. I want more. And then I have those structures in place to help facilitate them. So it's, those two, I'm so glad you brought that up because those two things do absolutely go hand in hand. You know, I was just listening to uh, Kelly Howell, one of my 
probably who I consider the voice of meditation <laughs> uh, at BrainSync. She does a podcast called Theater of the Mind, and she was interviewing Joe Vitale, which pretty much everybody knows from The Secret and, and everywhere else. But I know him from Internet marketing. Before he became this big guru of self-help and personal development, he was an Internet marketing guy. <laughs> and, uh, and he was talking about a, a whole bunch of things. One of the things he, w he quoted something that Gina likes to quote a lot too is that money is a show of gratitude is a way for people to show their appreciation for what you've done for them, for how you've inspired them, for a product that you produce that they really appreciate. And so in a way, what you, what you do when you set up those systems and you set up the ability to you know, have somebody see you on the Today Show and start going through an experience with you in a, in a funnel with free information and products and, and coaching and things like that, is you're giving people the ability and to serve themselves even more of that great stuff you're serving up, but also to show their gratitude. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I love that. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that makes perfect sense. And, it, you know, and people feel good about paying for whatever you're offering if you are in that place of serving them and helping them and lifting them up. I mean, if you're in that place that you genuinely are wanting to lift people up so that they can succeed, then people know it. I really believe that they intuitively know it and, or they experience it, right? They either intuitively get, like I have people saying that to me when they see me on camera uh, doing a free webinar. They're like, wow, you know what? You're, being so, you're just so real, and I, I feel like I can learn from you. And so... I totally agree with, with that. You said something earlier that, that uh, I'm not sure everybody caught, so I'm going to bring it up. It almost sounded like you cared what would happen in the world as a result of you making someone's life better and that they would go out and, and do their own making of the world better. It sounds almost like you care, like that's, that was actually one of your goals. Is, is that true? And maybe you can expound on that. It sounds like you have a bigger goal in life than to just have a successful business and you know, a career as an author and, and coach and, and all those things. It almost sounded like that. Is, is it true? It is true. That's just, that is just, I, I feel like I'm, that's why I'm here. <laughs> I know that may sound, uh, I don't know what it sounds like. It's just the truth. So I'm here I'm here for this reason and I want to I really hope that I can in my lifetime support as many people as possible in pursuing their dreams. And this all started when I was eighteen and I had a near fatal car crash. And I before that really didn't have a direction in my life. I had just graduated from high school. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was eighteen. And I, I, I was actually in gymnastics. I was on my way to practice, and I smashed into a, a parked semi-truck because I was blinded by the light in the morning sun. So, and in that, it took a year of recovery. And that really gave me time to reflect on what I was here to do. And I made a very strong decision that and I'm not sure where it came from or what, how it all happened, but I was on a mission after that to be of service and that I have a very short life here, and that's how it truly feels to me. I feel grateful every single day 
that I get to wake up and be here because there, I feel, I actually feel like there's not a lot of time. Like I don't want to waste a moment of time. And so, and it's partly because of that car crash. And I realize how life is so fleeting and how, you know, we don't have time to, to mess around. And so that is something that happened very early in my life that then taught, I put my head down, I got my doctorate degree. I mean, I, this is coming from a student who was not that great of a student in high school. I really was like, oh, you know, I don't know what I want to do, to, okay, I'm getting my doctorate degree, I'm serving, I went and served in the Clinton administration for three years. I mean, I just like, I just, it changed my entire life. So one of the things that I, oh, I share, I don't share that story actually very often, but one thing I want people to know is that you don't need to have a near-fatal car crash to make that choice and to recognize that we have very fleeting time here on this precious earth, and so it, it, it really is up to you how you want to be and how you want to serve and how you want to live and all of that. And so that's where I'm coming from. Um, it really is. And so when you ask me if it's true, it's like, yeah, it's not just true. It's like the core of who I am. Okay, so I think we're on to something here. And, and sometimes when we have this discussion, um, we leave it there. And I think it maybe does a disservice if, people, if anyone, if there's a chance that anyone thinks that it's just a gimmick to be secure in life and have your business succeed that you put service in front of it, it is not a gimmick. The only people I've ever seen make this so-called gimmick work is when it's not a gimmick. And that's why I wanted to bring that up because I heard it. It was just three or four words, and you were just going on about something else, and it could have just totally <laughs> passed by. But, but you, you, you let on that you, you cared about something even more. And I've never met anybody who has really been successful like you who has not had that trait. That, that, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, okay, well, I'll just make my business, um, I'll put um, a, a children's organization at the front page of my business. I won't just put it in the back and I won't just tithe a, a percent or 10 or whatever and let somebody maybe find that. Uh, I'll put it right out front and that will get me more business. Um, that will show that I care. And those people can not be doing it gimmicky on purpose, but they think that that's all there is to it. And it's not really, you know, and again, I'm not saying that anybody has done that before, is doing it from the wrong, you know, perspective or anything or from the wrong place. But, but you put the cherry on top when you helped me bring this up today about really why we do things. Because not only did leading with service make the money come because it just comes and it just happens, but that isn't your pinnacle of the experience or the reason that you're doing this either. And it was good to be able to have that conversation and take it a little bit further because now I feel like we're getting the full picture of what it means to serve and also thrive and also help other people thrive and, and, and do great things. And knowing that you're going to leave behind, because life is so short, uh, something that you know, is bigger than you because you created something, you created momentum in the world, and that's, that's what we all want, right? I mean, that's what a lot of people want, their legacy uh, to be something like that, something magical. It's interesting that you bring this up, and it's, I fully agree with you, and that's exactly right. And, you know, I have two daughters, and they're 
12 and 14, and when they read the news, they get so depressed. Like last night, my 12-year-old, as I was cooking dinner, was like, Mom, the news makes me feel so upset. And we don't have a TV. I've raised them without television, so they're reading the news on my phone <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm cooking. And, uh, and she was so upset. And I said, I said, I understand that there are upsetting things. But you have to decide who you're going to be and who you're going to serve in your life. You are here for a reason, and so you need to get clear about and pay attention as you're going through school. What is it that excites you? What are you passionate about so that you can start thinking about those things? But then also, how can you really serve people to help their, them too? No matter what it is, it doesn't have to be in the same way I serve but it's going to be in the way that you serve. So it's really interesting to talk to kids about that, too, because, you know, it, it is very depressing when you hear the news, and yet we are here for a reason, and we have we have to be very clear about our purpose here. So that's just, just that's what you said just made me think about my conversation last night with my daughter. <laughs> There's a lot of, actually, you don't even know the number of serendipities and coinkadinks that are on, coming on my side of this thing <laughs> with a conversation. It's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that people think the news is, is equivalent to what's happening. Like, it's so stupid. Like, it just is mathematically impossible um, that, you know, <laughs> the news can report anything near what is happening on Earth in total. Yeah. I mean, the mm -hmm. news doesn't report you out there doing your great work. I haven't seen you on the news very often, or yeah, actually you ever, but not very many people <laughs> ever get on the news for doing great stuff. You just, you know, and thank goodness for the Internet, where is the only place that you can actually go and find people like you doing great stuff and really get in-depth and get to know you and, and, um, and, and get into that sphere the whole time that you Here's how it works. Here's how, this is what I love about this. The whole time that you are engaging people by helping them in the way that you do, they're not watching the news. Every minute you spend with people, every minute they're engaged with one of your newsletters, with one of your classes, with a webinar, with an interview with you on TV, they're not watching the news. And that alone, out of the billions of other great things that happen uh, as a result of a life well lived in service, that alone must give you great pleasure, uh, knowing that all of your, if you can distract people from the bad stuff, the negative, the, and all of that, for even a minute, a day, um, which a lot of your really heavy followers, you're, you're the ones that really, really love your stuff, they have to be going out and doing better in the world because happy people can't cut people off in traffic. Happy people don't start wars. <laughs> happy people never dump waste in a river. They never, ever, ever do that. So... I applaud you. I applaud everybody like you, but today you're on our show, and I applaud you for doing what you do. Well, thank you, and you're doing what you're doing, and Gina, you're helping spread this positive message also. And this is what I was talking about, about creating this ripple effect, because it really is. Like, I visualize the ripple, and that is, you know, we're talking here now, and people who are listening can now think, hmm, what do I want to do differently today, or how do I want to start my day or what impact do I want to have in the world and that creates that ripple effect going forward and I really believe that 
that it does have a positive impact if we all continue to do this work that we are here to do. So I love that you just said that. So tell us more about your um, latest project. What do you want us to know about it? How can we get involved? Um, and who's it really? Who's it for? Well, I have a free webinar that's coming up, and it's really teaching authors, experts, and entrepreneurs who have a book or are thinking of writing a book. It's what's called Five Surprising Ways to Radically Boost Your Income with Your Book. And that's a free webinar that's coming up uh, next Thursday. And I give really different ways to monetize your book because, as I mentioned earlier, I come from a consumer product background. And so I look at things a little bit differently, and I think about, okay, how can I apply what I learned in my past to authors in helping them make money from their – and creating author businesses or a business around their, their book. So that's happening, and then on September 20th is my next Author to Income live training where I take people through – it's in two tracks at four weeks, so it's an eight-week program, and I take people – through creating, I do things differently. Uh, I teach how to make your books interactive using video and video marketing, which I find to be so much fun and really allows your readers to get to know you. So by the time they finish your book, they know you. They want to work with you because they've connected with you all throughout the book. So for example, I have a video link at the beginning of each chapter where I welcome the reader to that chapter and I literally tell them what they're going to learn in that chapter, and then I pull them through the entire book that way. So I teach these, this type of uh, new way of, of creating interaction with your book. And then also I teach how to get the media spotlight and how to make money with your book and beyond. It's one of the most so that's fun stuff. Awesome I love stuff. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And it, so, so it's a different – it's a level – I mean, the, the club that you're teaching, that you're that you're talking to, is a pretty exclusive club. It's only people in the world who have finished a book, right? I mean, well, or, or are thinking it. about it. But how how do you pull people through that? Uh, I don't know how some people might envision it. I know how I feel when I'm trying to write something. I want to write something. I want to finish it. Uh, but I feel like I'm going through the gates of hell sometimes. You know that suffering writer thing and that procrastination thing and everything else. You got your life turned around. <laughs> you you attribute it to the the accident, and you became something you weren't before the accident. You became a a doer with a purpose, an action, and you finished things. You started going to school, and you finished all the way to the top of school you could go, and you then you you accomplished things. You went and worked in the Clinton administration. I mean, you did big things. You do big things. What's the difference between you? Well, I don't, want to, I don't want to make it a us and them kind of thing, but what is it that you do? What is it in your life, um, aside from getting a wake-up call, that makes you such a doer, accomplisher, and a finisher of the things that you start? Well, for one thing, there's not just one way to finish something. So if it's not working the way you're doing it, then there's always going to be a creative solution to finishing it a different way. So I think that what happens is we have in our mind, okay, I have to do it this way. And one of the things that I teach is, no, you don't. <laughs> you 
this way, that way, or even another way, or even more ways. And so let's select the way that fits you. And so you can then have that satisfaction of getting it done. So I'll give you just a couple of examples. One is if, like, I have someone that I'm working with who has, is like, oh, I'm on chapter 25 and I'm not getting my book done. It's like over 280 pages and I'm feeling so stressed because I just am like in the final stretch but I can't even stand to get it done. I'm like, okay, but you have the first part done and you have the first 25 pages? She said, yes, and they've all been professionally edited. I said, great. Why don't we divide your book up into a series, a Kindle series? And so you've already got book one and book two finished, and we can get those designed and uploaded because they're already done. And you put those up as a series, and book three is coming, coming soon, right? So it just, like, completely altered her whole reality. She was like, oh, my gosh. Like, she had never thought that that could be possible. So now we went from feeling totally stuck and down about not getting the book done to, oh, my gosh, when can we do this? And the answer is now. <laughs> so this is right what now. I'm talking about. Yeah, and so in, in also with you mentioned the author to income formula, it's actually better if people aren't finished with their books because what I teach is are things that are action that you can take immediately to improve your book by making it interactive, people are watching video today. They're digesting this information differently today than they have ever done in the past. There are 4,500 books printed daily on Amazon. So if there are 4,500 books printed daily on Amazon, that's not even including Kindle books. What do you need to do differently to make your book jump out, to stand out, to be different? And so these are the things that I teach, and when you're working on your book, that's when I say, okay, let's, in, let's put invitations in this book. Let's have video messages from you in this book. Let's bring other experts into your book. Let's make your book go wild. And see, this is what I did, too, uh, when I came out with my second edition of the Mom Inventors Handbook, How to Turn Your Great Idea into the Next Big Thing. That is to teach people how to produce consumer products. In the second edition... I included 50 entrepreneurs who had successfully used my first edition to build their businesses. But I had little profiles on them, but I didn't want that. I wanted people, to readers, to be able to use their smartphones and scan those pictures of those people and for it to be able to pop up on their phones. So those people who are featured in my book, they pop onto the reader's smartphone and have a message on that phone, on video. Mm -hmm. You see? Wouldn't that yep. make you feel better? I know inspired? how you leverage that. <laughs> well, and it's so exciting because now your book comes to life. You get to see these people in real life, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. And and I also did something where I didn't allow them to sell during those two minute videos. In those fifty entrepreneurs, I asked them to answer four questions. One is, what is what's a challenge that you face? that you've overcome, what is something, a success that you had that you're celebrating, what is number, what's the thing that has surprised you the most about starting your business, and what is one piece of advice that you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs? 
You see, so these messages, my intention with these messages, messages from these video messages was to deepen and enrich the experience for the reader so that they could go, wow. Right. Okay, like, I can't believe she overcame that challenge. Like, one of the first people in my book, she had cancer. And her business is what gave, gave her that kind of beacon of hope that kept her on track as she was going through cancer. So, I mean, these are real stories that make you go, oh, my gosh, if she can do this, I can do it. So these are the types of and things that I teach in my class, yeah, that are different than what, you know, it's not just hitting number one. Yes, that's, that is a part of it. That's part of the strategy. and But it's not the only thing. It's, it's much deeper than that. I love how you so humbly told the story exactly the way you just did and left it to me <laughs> to to give one of the punchlines from a business perspective, which is how many of those 50 people didn't mention you on social media when your book came out? Okay, so or that if you want to be more positive, how many of those how many of those 50 people did mention you uh the, the, those experts when your book came out? Okay, so do you want me to take it even a step further? Sure. I wanted I wanted them to shine and to feel proud of being a part of my book. So I provided a press release for them to fill in the blank with their own information announcing their contribution to my book. Because of that, it became this wild, grassroots, unbelievable, I mean, the book went wild. I hit number one on Amazon in six categories overnight before I even launched. I mean, it was a week before I was, he was supposed to launch because despite <laughs> what I call my book ambassadors, they were so excited that they sent out these press releases. I told them exactly, let's just all do it together at the same time. And if you Google that book, there are so many images of them on TV shows, being featured in magazines, on uh, in being featured on newspapers. You see, because if you think about it and you help others, this was a huge moment in their life, right? A lot of these people have never been yeah. featured in the media. And so by me giving them the press release and saying, hey, I want you to celebrate with me. I want you to be out there. I want you on TV. I, this is about you being featured in my book. But guess what happened? Of course they mentioned the book, right? Of course they mentioned right. their association with me. So I benefited from helping others and lifting others up. That's a perfect illustration of exactly what we're talking about. And that is a million-dollar uh, value. Anybody who understands what we just said, if you don't, the wonders of the Internet will allow you to rewind this until you understand what was just said because it was big. And even if you think you understand what was just said, listen to it again anyway because really, I mean, you get leveragist of the day. You're leveragist of the day. Actually, you can take the whole week. The whole week you can take it off and just bask in your, your leveragist, put the crown, the tiara on, and you can do whatever you want this week because that is, that is awesome. And that was probably the that best. Exactly, I mean, we've tried. Jack, that's exactly <laughs> what we teach in the Leverage Black Book to start with. How do you do that in everything that you do in your business, not just in your book, but literally in everything? That was awesome, Tamara. 
connect you with one of my friends. The guy's name is Devin Hurt. He's out of the Sarasota area. His company is called MyDMC.com. Are you, are you familiar with Devin at all? No, I'm not. He has a really cool concept that I think you're going to quickly fall in love with. Imagine a video book. It's a hardcover book. When you open it up, where the pages should be is actually a player for a video. And you can have, I think it's up to 28 chapters, and each chapter is a separate video. With what you teach people to do in books, you got to check out these video books. They would be so perfect for what you're teaching. Love it. That's awesome. Thank you. It, it really uh, is interesting. Uh, I, I, I started uh, falling in love very, very quickly with the idea of authors not being unattainable, unreachable. When we started doing this digital thing and authors started putting in their websites and, and then you know, author marketers got really into it and started putting in supplemental material that enhanced the material in the book itself and that the chapter wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for the accompanying material so readily accessible with a tap of a finger. And it just opened it all up and, and more you know, in its embryonic stage, I was more impressed with the ability that I could just, that authors were becoming more reachable. I've talked to so many of the people whose books I've read and thought as I'm doing it, I would never be able to do this when I was growing up. The, the, the author was hidden behind a publisher's wall, and you could only see him if you went out and did a book signing, and you had to stand in line to talk with him at, at an event like that, and you have to get out of the way because there's 100 people behind you, and the world has changed so much. It's, it's funny how often I get the idea when people talk about their own book that they still are thinking that it's a book that would be born in a world like that instead of the one that we have now, which has all of these capabilities. And the fact that you're an author, you're, you're famous, you, you, you have lots and lots to do, you're very, very busy, that you came on the show at the very top of the hour and started talking about how you like it when people come and interact with you. You're not trying to stand behind a publisher uh, 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 and a gatekeeper and be unattainable. And that really speaks a lot to how the world has changed, the publishing world, the, you know, uh, just everything. It's really wild, isn't it? It is. It's so interesting that you bring that up because I have my feet in both worlds. So my publisher is McGraw-Hill, and they've been publishing my books since 2005. And I also self-publish books as well. And so it's really interesting what you just brought up because it has absolutely changed because when I first did my first book, I mean, we didn't even have Google or YouTube, which is like unimaginable today. Uh, my kids were like, what do you mean you didn't have Google? What did you do? <laughs> we fed cows. Well, we had this thing called the Yellow Pages. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. it's, it's just incredible how things have changed. And when I started publishing my book, I was with a, and I still have, you know, contract with a publisher. And you were. It was like this, you were totally insulated from the reader, really. And I find, like, it's funny, because even in my emails, like when I do my blast emails, 
my list. I always say, you know, if you have a question, reply to this email. It's me. <laughs> because mm-hmm. people can't believe that I'm like, those are my emails. Yes, it is me, really. Uh, and I also ask people in the social media, it's so exciting to be able to connect with people. And this way, is a, it's a perfect way to learn what people really need and want from you because you can only really only guess, and frankly, when I guess, I'm wrong. So it's, for me, I love having that connection because I get to ask, hey, what are you struggling with? Where do you need help? You know, have you considered doing this, this, and this? And people say, well, what I'm really struggling with is this. And then I learn from that, and then I can give people what they're really asking for and what they need. It still works. It's still got its novelty um, very much so. I mean, it, you know, lots and lots of authors have picked up on this. Lots of people are doing really interactive books that, that, uh, that, that add a whole different dimension to the consumption of information. And it's, it's, not just the cons- it's just not raw consumption of information anymore. It's so much more. Uh, it is interesting that it works so well even so, like people are still amazed that they're talking to you sometimes. Like, like uh, you, you get the indication like they never expected. They expected to just consume the information and appreciate, maybe come and like your Facebook page or something. But then to have you, you know, respond to them, it's one of the biggest secrets in the world because that engenders a loyalty and a, and a, and a um, you know, a respect, I think, in, in a lot of ways that doesn't in the other way uh, for people who don't expect anything like that. And it's like, wow. So we're all just regular old people. And even though you've got a bunch of books and I'm not done with my first one, I still feel like we're a lot more alike than I would have if I just read your book and I couldn't get a hold of you. I couldn't talk to you. You'd never respond to me on social media and stuff. And doesn't that mean that somebody who is almost finished with their book, who realizes that they're a lot closer to you than they thought, does that make it more possible that their book is going to get finished, thereby achieving your goal of making the world a better place because somebody is happier because they have accomplished something or they're near accomplishing it, and it was just because you responded to them or it was just because of some inspiration that we wouldn't formally have gotten outside of the digital age? I think it's so true because if you feel like you, you know, you're connecting with someone that really is in your corner, then it's going to help inspire you to get things done, right? And so, and also knowing that there isn't just one way to do things. I love the book. The have you heard of the whack uh, whack on the side of the head? It's this. It's uh-huh. this uh, Stanford professor. His name is Von Oak. Is his last name. And it's the whack on the side of the head, and it talks about creativity. And I think one of the things I've had that book for like 10 years, and I still refer back to it because he gets you thinking in all different ways. And I think it's kind of back to what we're talking about, and that is, you know, what you, you're getting your book done and your needs may be very different from somebody else. So there, like as I was saying before, there's so many different ways to do it, Right. And so it's really just discussing those ways. Like, hey, for you, it may be that you just talk your book and then have it transcribed, and then there it is. It's on, written on a page, and then you just have to clean it up, right? That could be done in a weekend. So this is what I'm saying. There's so many different ways depending on what you pers- your personal needs are. And I think it's exciting. And I think also what happens is other people are doing 
in like my Facebook group, we have a private Facebook group, and I'm in there almost every day answering questions. And so we can help keep the momentum going, but what's happening is so exciting because the authors in that group are supporting each other too. And so it's that environment of lifting people up uh, that is part of this whole community that I just is it gives me energy. Yeah. And you need that. So, so we only have a few minutes left, but maybe in, in, a, in a, a minute or so, you can talk about that energy that you need as an author, as a business person, that if you let yourself go too long in a vacuum, developing it on your own, making it perfect, all of that stuff, doesn't it mean that you're not going to have the energy to finish something? And I guess we only have 90 seconds. I'm sorry I looked at the clock wrong, but go for it. <laughs> yeah, don't go for perfection. Just really don't, because that can stand in your way, too. I tend to be a perfectionist, too. You know, check my alarm clock three times before I go to bed to make sure it's on. Yeah. So I have those tendencies. But you have to be willing to just put your best work out and then know that it's a work in progress and that you can go back and you can tweak it and change it. That's the beauty of self-publishing that thrills me. Because I can go in there and say, you know what, I really want to rearrange that or do that a little bit differently, and then bam, you upload it, and then you know, 24 hours, it's up and it's, it's your new version's up there. So it's like, forget perfection. Just decide that you are here for a purpose, and decide what it is you want to accomplish, and you can do it. And there's just not one way to get it done. And to give yourself, you know, be kind to yourself in the process. Don't beat yourself up is really important because I just bring you down. Tamara, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. TamaraMonosoff.com, and you can get the Author to Income Formula video training at that URL. Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure interviewing you today. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you so much, Tamara. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. The Leverages to the Week Award. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both so much for having me. And we'll be back next week, same time, same place, with another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Black Book page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.